You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. Welcome back, Christians. I feel like it's been forever. It has been forever. Has it? I mean, we only pre-recorded two episodes, didn't we? Yeah, but I mean, we did like a fun rushed episode, and there was a bunch of stuff that happened in between. I feel like more happened in between those. We're also a little late. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. You know, you can thank Evan for that. He decided that he gets to have a life and do things other than podcast things, so everybody else got to suffer. You're welcome. To be fair, I was available yesterday. Oh, so you thought I was just going to magically come over yesterday at your predefined time. I'm sorry. I told you a long time ago. Which is later than usual. And then somehow magically also. it was like an hour later. And then somehow still magically get home and completely edit the episode. Get it all ready. I'm just saying. Because I, you decided you act like that I don't have any during my I birthday have week that you had to leave the town. Oh, God. Oh, man. You know, there is a time where you always left for your birthday. Always. That wasn't my fault. Did you leave for your birthday this year? Nope. Nothing? Nope. Now we you'll... went over to some other friends' houses and house, and um, for the first time in my life, I tried a little marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, um, God. Yeah, we had a really fun time. We watched some funny YouTube videos. It was kind of, it wasn't really like a party. It was more of a like, let's hang out and just shoot Mm -hmm. the shit and watch funny videos and whatever. Sounds like a Paul party. It was great. It was everything I could have ever wanted. Yeah. Okay. And then after that, we went to a little food truck and got some food at midnight. Then went home and the next day, it was like a stay at home day. It was like the best birthday I could have ever asked for. For my 27th birthday. For your 27th, Yeah. You know what? Your 30th, we'll do something. We'll have a big party. Oh, we have to do a big party. You just have to stay alive for three more years. I think I can make it, but it depends on a lot of things. A couple factors. The election. (laughs) (laughs) Whether we've all been rounded up and put in camps at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. So, um, well, my wife broke her foot the morning of our vacation, decided. I don't know. She's she was mad. That. She said, you know what? I really actually don't want to go. No, I'm kidding. I gave her the option not to go. I thought it was ridiculous. I mean, I wanted to go. I'm going to go see, like, we go see my sister and brother-in-law and my nieces every uh, July 4th. So I wanted to go, but I wasn't going to be the asshole that's like, no, we're going. Get up. But right. she was very much like, she broke it that morning. We were supposed to leave that night. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know if we're going now. And Samantha's just like, no, we're going. So we just like threw her in the back of the car, put her foot up and took off. I mean, we took her to the hospital first. <laughs> but after they, they said it and they're like, oh, all right. So we went. That's crazy. Yeah. And how did she break her foot? 
Oh, she broke her foot just by falling out of bed. Just like stood up and fell. Not not a good story. Nothing fantastic. She could have lied. She could have said anything happened. There was nobody home. She just got out of bed and broke her foot. Very Samantha story. It's a very Samantha story. That's exactly the way that Meanwhile, she Meanwhile, I'm at my home. You know how my stairs are. They're like straight up. <laughs> and I've fallen down those things like four yep. times. Life isn't fair. And I I just stay, get up every time and I'm like, wow, that was fun. Yeah, both of us should have broken many bones. Many, many bones. Oh, yeah. Um, with all the stuff that we've done. All the times I've fallen downstairs drunk. Definitely you know, should have broken. oh my God, remember at that one restaurant, we were on the third floor. That was, yes. Well, it was and, the, a hotel restaurant. And, and we, yeah. we were on the third floor and the pizza guy gets there <laughs> and you fall three stories down yep. a spiral staircase <laughs> all the way down to him. Like literally, like literally you would see well, it Well, once I was going, it was just like, just go. I mean, because then you don't want to get up. You just, I was too drunk to stand. And at the bottom of the staircase, the pizza guy could see directly in, like he could yeah, see what was, was happening. Yeah, it was a glass door. <laughs> yeah didn't you give him like 20 extra bucks for a tip or something yeah well that whole thing was that yeah so he could see me fall down the stairs and then because i'm drunk i feel bad for him that he had to watch me fall down the stairs so i tip him double what my order actually cost and so then my credit card company called and asked if i had had someone had stolen my card and i was like no and that the sad thing is that was not the first time they ever called called many times <laughs> asked if someone had stolen my credit card. <laughs> it's like, no, nope, that's just me. Just me living my drunk life. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, good stuff. You know what video I've been trying to find? The video of me at my birthday pulling you Dragging through the hallway. Me. I can't find it. I uh, think it's gone. I think it's I finally. I think it's gone. You know, because it was really like, it was, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't posting anything on Facebook. I didn't. I was like a year out of the cult, so I didn't know how to post anything on Facebook. <laughs> I had it on my phone for a long time, but then I'm done with that phone. Yeah, so. I think it just vanished. It's gone now. It was a good video, though. It was a great video. Good times. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I feel like I'm not awake. Why? Hello, get your shit together. You get your shit together. I couldn't sleep last night. I have two dogs and a wife with a broken foot in my bed. You try to sleep. And she off. wants the, she wants the cat to be able to come in the room. I'm like, no, I can't. I couldn't sleep. I finally got up at four thirty and just got out of bed. There's the, there's my dogs. There's my little angels going to town, just sitting out there barking at the world. I'm done with this puppy. You call them angels. Our listeners call them the assholes that ruin the podcast. Probably, probably. <laughs> I can't. I didn't know that a puppy was going to be so hard. I don't know if I'm ready for children now. Oh, what did you think the puppy was going to do? Sit here and behave? I don't know, but he... If what do you he think puts a toddler is going to do? If he puts one more thing in his fucking mouth. One more thing. What do you think a toddler is going to do? If he, if he acts like the puppy, he's going outside too. That's the problem. You can't just put a toddler out in your backyard. At least with a puppy, I can open the door and be like, get out. Stay out there. I mean, obviously when it's nice, I don't put him out in the rain. But if it's a nice day, we got a nice backyard, he can sit out there for an hour can't do that with a toddler. But I mean, maybe could, I will. but who knows? Maybe I will. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But this puppy, just every fucking thing he puts in his mouth, he chews it up. It's just, it's never ending. I, he constantly has to have something in his mouth. You are so surprised. I'm very surprised. I didn't think it would be this much. Come on, man. Give it a break for like just two seconds. Don't have something in your goddamn mouth. I'm going through bones left and right. Ugh. But it's Maybe great. he's gay. <laughs> he's cute though he is gay i saw him licking stewie's dick the other day in bed right next to me he's like do that in your own time mm-hmm. when it's private not while i'm sitting here trying to watch my veronica mars that's no anyways anyways um 
This is your queer story. This is your queer story. We're your hosts, Evan Jones. And Paul Hobbs. And um, uh, by the way, guys, um, we would really appreciate your support on Patreon. We do have a Patreon at yeah, you Your Queer Story Patreon. Patreon.com, yep. your slash your queer story. Exactly. Uh, you could, it feels like we haven't done this in months, but I promise it's been like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just all over the place, but that's yeah. fine because you know what? That's why you guys love us. That's why they love us. Mm-hmm. Is that it? That's it. That's probably it. Um, but honestly, guys, um, any support is helpful, even if it's a dollar or three dollars a month. It really goes a long way. We re- appreciate our continued support from our, um, Regular patrons, thank you so much, guys. You're the reason why we keep being able to do this. Um, but we are trying to drum up a little bit more support so um, just so we can keep things running smoothly. So if you're able to help, go to our Patreon. We appreciate it. We re- we wrote, um, upload videos sporadically. We um, put just uh, extra little things on there. Um, we're trying to add some more stuff this summer. Um, because during the fall, it gets a little hectic. Yeah, for you, it gets yeah. hectic. Oh. Yeah. Your queer story fall photo shoot. That would be fun. Well, there you go. Now you know. I hear your boyfriend's free, so maybe he can get something done. <laughs> He's just a little free. He's got a little time on his He's hands. He's got a little time. So, uh, but yeah, so we do put some extra things up there, but just in general, everything goes towards the podcast. We don't pocket any of the money, but it helps us keep things running, and we appreciate it very much. And for all of our worldwide listeners. For all you people in Australia, Germany, uh... Brazil, Britain, Britain, um, Russia. What do we have? Like one? Why are you listening to this in Russia? You need to turn this off right now because the government's coming for you. Okay. Hey, our Russian listener is dedicated. (laughs) Our Russian listener. Oh my God. Good luck. Good luck, buddy. Uh, Come to America. It's safe here. Mostly. For now. We'll Reach see out how to the us. 2020 we'll start goes. you a GoFundMe or something if you're yeah, in trouble. Yeah, get you out of uh, Russia. You know what? No, they want to. A lot of I've heard a lot of you know queer people in Russia. They're just trying to stay and fight for their homeland. You know, That's they good want for them. I would like, be gone. I should be free in my home. I would stay. I'll tell you what. If this asshat in the White House is there I'll for another four years, what? If they put Joe Biden up as the candidate, he's going to be in there for four more years. Yeah, I, that's absolutely true. I 100% believe Jesus that. Jesus Christ, what the hell, America? Did we learn nothing from the Hillary thing? He's we don't trying, want him. He's attacking people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, mm-hmm. which is the min- millennial group, which is the largest voting group. Exactly. Probably not the best thing to do if you're running for president. He's so outdated. Like, like look, man, you served your country. It's good for you. But, like, you know, as has been said, pass the torch, man. You're, no, you're not relevant. And it's not just that you're not relevant. Your policies aren't relevant anymore. This is not where we want to take the country you're still stuck back in the 60s and the yeah, 70s telling said, us that's the good time he doesn't need, nothing needs to change exactly uh, clearly stuff needs clearly to things need to be ch- need to change we're still i mean at last i checked we're still working our asses off two three jobs just to make bare minimum we're still the pay uh gap is still there we're still struggling with ridiculous amounts of student our world loan debt. is dying people are dying all exactly over the, world. the climate change not to mention the atrocities happening to people of color in our country but sure joe i guess nothing needs to be changed changed jesus did you yo do we talk about how awkward it was when uh kamala harris uh confronted him on the debate stage i don't think obviously it's been a couple weeks now i don't think we met or maybe i don't know it was right after or right before we were so busy i don't even know we took a little summer vacation yeah anyways if you haven't had a chance to watch the debates the first one because the other ones are coming up soon um i would encourage you to watch it but kamala uh she called him out for some of his racist policies in the mm-hmm. past, you know, yeah. and it was awkward. I bet 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's just he's just oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't want any old white guy, but I definitely don't want Joe Biden. He is on the very bottom of my list, and I would like, like I would vote for him the way I voted for Hillary, where it would just. But like, I've I don't heard the same thing. To, I've but... heard the same thing. Like the Bernie or bust people are like, I've heard so many people. If Joe gets in there, I'm not voting. Yeah, they're like, I would rather have Trump for four more years than work than vote for a rigged system. Oh, I see. I won't. I don't. Believe I don't that. believe that either. No. However. There are a very large amount of people that do think that way. Yep. So please, Democratic Party, please. Oh, for Christ's sake, please don't put this man back in there. Oh, my God. I cannot with it. I can't. I can't do it again, Paul. I mean, I'll vote for him because I'm not voting for that asshat. And I'm going to vote because I believe it is my duty to vote. You know what else I did? What? Sorry, totally off topic, but kind of relevant. I am officially... A legal Rhode Island resident. Oh, wow. What's My, it been? Two years? Three years? <laughs> it's only been one month. Mm-hmm. Um, I am officially... How um, did you manage to buy a house and not be a Rhode Island re- resident? Things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what that means. Um, but yes, I have a real ID, licensed in Rhode Island, both vehicles oh, registered here, oh my. everything. I am legit now, which means I don't have to drive all the way back to Massachusetts, um, Grafton, <laughs> to, vote? to vote. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's nice. That's it is nice. Relief. You know, our bo- our voting um, pol- station is literally right down the road. Like, I can uh, walk I gotta to I got to find out where mine station. is. I just got it, so I don't yeah. even know. But I'm sure it's close. It's probably like a school or something. Oh, they do a good job with keeping yeah. stuff nearby. Of course, in Rhode Island, everything's close. But yeah, I can walk to my polling station. Do you so remember in Grafton when we literally drove for like 40 mm, minutes because we were like, I don't think nowhere. this is the right place. And yep. it was like the first place we went to, but we left. and It was, <laughs> it was a mess. We it used to be mess. real bad messes. Anyways... Okay. Today we're talking about... <laughs> You're just going to segue right into that. <laughs> yeah, well, we've been going. We're already at 14 minutes. Okay, shit. All right, all right, all right. Let's talk about it. Ooh, today, I'm excited. So go ahead. This is a very relevant man. He had a huge impact on history, and unfortunately, he didn't go down in fame. He did not. No, he was very overlooked, and there was a lot of reasons why, and it was even partly due to the whole, the uh, gay community that he was overlooked. So, and we're it's been a while since we've covered a transgender man. We've covered a lot of trans mm-hmm. women, but we haven't. It's been I think since uh, Joseph Lobdell, since so that was like episode thirteen or something. Probably. Yeah. So yeah. So today we're talk. We are covering Dr. Alan L. Hart. And he is actually vastly responsible for the sharp decline in tuberculosis in our country. Mm-hmm. He was born in the country on October 4th, 1890, a long-ass time ago. Yeah. Uh, Alan was assigned female at birth and given the name Lucille. We want to pause and state that we do not that we normally do not deadname our transgender icons, which is the naming... Oh, deadnaming is the act of calling a transgender person by their given name and not their chosen name because we take it upon ourselves to accurately preserve our hero's legacy. However, in the case of Dr. Hart, you will find it is difficult to find research that does not include his dead name. And in fact, many people have chosen to his- ignore his transition altogether. A point we will discuss later in this episode. You're having a hard time reading I today. am having a really just hard time. Just trust the script. You're just doing your own fucking thing. I'm making it up as I go, listen... First thing I did when I walked in, I went to the house, took a shot. Second thing, chugged a beer. So we're going. 
He was not forced to do any of this, so. I was. I was offered it, which is basically forcing it. Basically forcing. So for now, we're going to return to Alan's story. Yeah, I'm going to hold off for now, but I am pissed at the way queer historians covered Alan Hart. It is fucking bullshit. Absolutely. All right, so at the age of two, Alan's- Just two years old, little baby. Little, thank you. Just like your dog outside. Imagine what He's Alan was like. Che- oh, God. well, I hope he wasn't chewing everything, especially paper towels. Who wants to chew paper towels? Why are you putting Bet them you in your did. mouth? Bet you Alan chewed paper towels. Well, that's kind of rude. You don't know what Alan was doing. Alan definitely chewed paper towels. This is, I'm sorry, Alan. Alan's father, so this is, you're setting up a joke before this next sad line. Alan's father would die of typhoid fever, and Edna Hart would relocate the family to Lynn County, Oregon. There, Alan says he found happiness as he was allowed to wear boys' clothes and live in a masculine fashion. He preferred hunting and football to any girlish activities and insisted from a young age that he was a boy. He carried a pocket knife with him at all times and begged his mother to cut his hair. This was one request she never granted. Although Alan was allowed to spend his free time with the boys helping out with farm chores. Helping out with farm chores. Choice. <laughs> That's Rather, that Rhode Island. You're getting it's, it. It's, it's seeping in. Rather than being cooped up inside doing domestic work or the women's work. While this would have generally... While this would have been generally frowned upon, most people in Lynn County became used to the heart child's unusual preferences. Which is, you know, I never liked doing any of that. I would have been like, I'll stay inside and sweep the floors any day of the week. You can go do uh, all that hard-ass work. I would have loved to do that stuff. And that has nothing to do, your gender expression has nothing to do, or not has little to do with your gender identity. Right. So you don't have to, you know act a certain way to be transgender oh absolutely not. but no yeah but we also shouldn't ignore when someone does act that way mm-hmm. like if someone's acting that way just be aware you know mm-hmm. so. um let's see in high school alan began to struggle socially he was an awkward teen especially considering he had to wear dresses to school when he did not want when he did not like which he did not like he also found that he had no romantic interest in boys and this further isolated him Instead, he dove into his studies and preferred the comforts of a good book to palling around with kids in town. His one solace in school was the teacher's allowance that he use a pseudonym for his essays. This was actually a common practice at the time. And Alan chose the name Robert Allen Bamford, Bamford being his mother's maiden name. The young man was quite an accomplished writer, even as a teen, even as a teen, and his work would be published in local newspapers and publications, all under his male pseudonym. The hard work and study paid off, and Alan graduated high school in 1908 at the top of his class. Yeah, so, and, and like, and I think we see this a lot even today. I mean, even with the uh, queer issues at the forefront, you know, a lot of queer kids, high school kids, they feel very, I feel like I just, what happened? Am I still on? Yeah. I had like an echo and now I don't. Anyways. What do you mean you had an echo? I feel like I had an echo and now I don't. Now it's back. I don't know. Evan's (laughs) lost his fucking mind. Thank you. Yes. Um, No, but yeah, so a lot of teen kids, you know, in high school, they feel very isolated. And, you know, like when you aren't attracted to boys and you're supposed to be, supposedly, because he's still living as a girl. And when you don't fit in socially because you don't want to wear and act the way that you're supposed to by constructs, you withdraw, Mm -hmm. you know, but high school isn't forever. So if you're in high school and you're listening, hang in there. Let me tell you in (laughs) high school, I was 90 pounds heavier and completely isolated from everyone. I had absolutely no clue how to socially interact with anyone. I probably still don't, but I pretend I do. Um, And uh, Evan can probably say the same things. 
I mean, actually, it, I got a, I, I, well, I was considered you, by weird. where you pretend. Oh, was I was that, definitely pretending. Exactly. I just was very good at pretending. Very exactly. good. At and I wasn't. I was like, don't talk to me. I'm going to go home, eat a lot of pizza, and play video games, um, which I still do. But um, where was I going with this whole story? You were saying it gets better it after gets high school. Better. There's life after high school. It yes, seems like yes, there's not, yes, but yes. there is. There is a, I mean, the thing about being in high school is that when you're in high school, that's your whole world. Mm -hmm. Your whole concept of reality is the students within your school and the rooms within your school. Yep. Um, and especially where we're from, that's everything to you. Yeah, when you and, don't have a lot of other options yeah. around you. So once you get out of high school, you kind of start to realize that there's an entire fucking world and there's people all over the world that are just like you. And you're going to be happy. If mm -hmm. you Sometimes you have to work for it. But you know what? Put in that work because it's going to pay off. Yep. yep. Motivation. Look at you. You should just quit with your, your job and what you're doing and be a motivational speaker. I thought about being a demotivational speaker. All right, <laughs> 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 everybody. Uh, you know what? We're not doing anything. Can you guys not clap that loud Please. next time? Thank you. <laughs> Please stop getting so excited. I want you all to sit I don't there. know why you're so excited. Not that you're Slump down in your seats, please. You don't have a drink in your hand, you're fucking up. No. Okay, well, they're 16, so. <laughs> so like, um, these are children. You're here speaking to the kindergartners. So, all right, all right. Drinks for everyone. Rounds on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so, uh, so, Alan headed off to Albany College, now named Lewis and Clark College, where he studied science and joined the debate club. There he met Eva Cushman and, to our knowledge, entered his first romantic relationship. The two lovers, the two lovebirds, suddenly transferred to Stanford University in 1911, and Allen helped to form Stanford's first female debate team. San Francisco also offered the chance for the closeted transgender man to further explore his sexuality and identity. Most of this exploring was done in the Tenderloin District. The infamous area derived its name from a similar location in New York. Supposedly, a, chief, a police chief transferred to a low-income, crime-ridden area and became so rich off the bribes he took to ignore crimes that he could afford to eat tenderloin rather than chuck roast. So similar locations around the U.S. would adopt the nickname. So you'll hear that a lot, but San Francisco's is by far the most notorious, especially in regards to trans and queer history. The police are all fucking corrupt in some way or another. Yes, even your husband. Yes, even your brother. Yes, even your dad. They're all corrupt. <laughs> they all enforce a system of oppression. Well, that is true. I don't know that individuals are corrupt, but if you work for a corrupt system, then you have to wonder why. And people, I think, a, I think a lot of honest people get in there thinking they're going to change the system. And I wish the system would change, but I don't think the system's going to change from within. I think it has to be changed from without. Absolutely. But while Alan had one of the most exhilarating years of his young life, he and Ava would return to Albany College after one year away. I think, I just pausing, it was weird because it seemed like it was really sporadic. Like, they're going to Albany College, and then all of a sudden they're just like, let's go to Stanford. And they, like, move down to San Francisco, and they're here for a, there for a year, and then they come back. So... Don't you know, know why. What? That happens. Oh, no, it happens. Especially at their age. They're, you know. You're young. You're in let's love. Let's fucking adventure. Let's see what goes on. Yeah. However, from this moment on, Alan only wore masculine clothing, wearing full male attire whenever possible. He graduated with his bachelor's in 1912 and headed off to the University of Oregon. But unlike Albany, Alan faced harsh discrimination and isolation at the university. 
Because of his choice of clothing and lack of social conformity, he was left out of the college social scene. But never one to be deterred, <laughs> Alan devoted himself to his studies and goals of becoming a doctor. He, better goals than I ever had. Right? Oh, I've never even thought about... Like, someone told me once that to be a doctor is at least 12 years of schooling, and I was like, nah. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely good. no. Right then, I was done. Especially, you know what? <laughs> the thing that's so scary about it is, like, when you're, like... Think about it. When you're 16, right? Mm-hmm. And you're in your junior year. What is that? Sophomore year, maybe? 16, yeah. Junior um, The thought of going to 12 more years of school oh, after you graduate, God. you're like, fuck that shit. I, here's the thing I... Totally off subject, but mm-hmm. I've been looking to go back to school too. I want to yeah. go for um, like a cybersecurity degree. And I'm always looking like Rhode Island is doing like this Rhode Island cares thing or Rhode Island promise, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like full um, scholarship, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God, let me look into this. Yeah. You have to be 18 straight out of high school. I know. That's well, that's what I worry a lot about with all these um, people getting up these uh, uh 2020 Democrats are talking about free college, but a lot of those plans are for 18-year-olds, which great for 18-year-olds, but also really stupid because there's a lot of people in our generation and the millennials that didn't go to college because we couldn't afford Absolutely. it. Absolutely. That's know? why I didn't go. So like, you're not helping. The, and 18-year-olds are still 18-year-olds. Sorry for all our 18-year-old listeners. But a lot of them, first of all, they want to take a year off. They want to explore. Second, you don't, you don't know, know what you, you want. You don't know what you want. You don't know who you are. Yeah. I. It took me till now to figure out what I want to do with my life. Exactly. And... I've looked into it and I'm like, okay, I can do this. It's going to cost me about 50 grand. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can take out loans. Yes, I can do that. But do I really want to put myself $50,000 in debt? Yeah, I'll be making more money, but then I'm going to be paying back, what, $500 a month in loans? Like, there's just like, you know what I mean? And there's, I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of scholarship or something. I have to do more research. I haven't done all my research, but everything I found so far is like for 18 year olds, for 18 year olds, for 18 year olds. And when I was 18, like, I would have went into I would have definitely went into something with computers, mm-hmm. but I don't think I would be enjoying it today. Well, it's really I mean, uh, sadly, a lot of it is just about it's pandering to a group that they know is le- least likely to be able to pay the loans back mm-hmm. or not to pay to um, least likely to complete the education. So you're going to have these people with these huge loans and they're not going to ple- complete the education. They're going to spend forever, you know, paying back these yeah. things. And so, it, like, but it's easy to get an 18-year-old to sign up. Oh, absolutely. You know, where, oh, my God, my future. Yeah, you know, it's just exactly. like this idea. And again, that's, I mean, if you're 18 and you're going to college, I think that's fantastic. Please I'm go. I'm excited for you. Please go. But I just wish that we would invest in older individuals as well because that also helps our economy. That also helps to revitalize. And Listen, you're going to have more United stable. United States government. I want to go to this college. I've already kind of picked one out. It's accredited by the NSA, mm-hmm. the Department of Homeland Security. I want to come work for you, but guess what? I can't afford it. So help me out so I can come fucking save our country. <laughs> Just a little Are you plug. trying to corru- um, fix a corrupt system from within, Paul? Um, the NSA doesn't count. Oh, okay. The NSA is definitely <laughs> the worst one. But regardless, <laughs> listen, the job I'm trying to get to is like 115K <laughs> a year. So. Ah. <laughs> so listen up, bitches. <laughs> All right, well, you know what? You could just apply for like um, the school uh, leader, um, the district leader. What is it? School superintendent makes like two hundred thousand. There's a whole scandal in Rhode Island with the schools because the like these uh, superintendents are giving themselves these huge raises, raises, mm-hmm. <laughs> these huge raises. So they're making like one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars a year to do fucking nothing. So um, yeah, maybe you could just go into that if you want. I mean, I could. You could. All right. So where are we at? Um, so uh, Alan. Yeah. So back to the script. Yeah. Alan was devoting himself to his studies to become a doctor. 
He graduated with his doctorate in four years. How do you do? I don't think that's um, possible. This is 1912. Today. So okay. that's how you did well, it. Well, now we're just fucked and we can't do any of that. <laughs> um, earning the Sailor Medal along the way. Still unrecognized as the man that he was, Albert earned critical acclaim for being the first female to win the, this prestigious award, which applauded which applauded the individual with the highest standings across all departments. As 1917 came to a close, Ellen decided it was time to make another huge change. And this is going to be a real quick spinoff. Uh-huh. He was able to get his degree in four years, and he was able to change the world. Yep. We have so many barriers now, not mm-hmm. only with time, but also money, that we are preventing brilliant minds from being able to accomplish things. Absolutely. And that's the end of, I don't We're want to get on ourselves. Tangent. So with the doctorate in hand, Alan headed to Pennsylvania to take a job with the rest cr- with the Red Cross. Unfortunately, the medical degree had Alan's birth name on the front. He was currently going as Robert in his daily life, and even while administrators had noted his chosen name on school records, the new doctor would forever be outed by his own doctoral diploma. Perhaps this latest slight is what pushed Alan to ask contemporary Dr. Joseph Gilbert to perform a hysterectomy on him. Initially, Gilbert was reluctant, but Alan pressed him, stating that he had an abnormal inversion and should thus be sterilized. So, again, if you remember in a lot lot of past um, episodes, we talk about the concept of inversion, which is that you're, I mean, it's it's basically what transgender is, but um, it was linked to your sexuality Mm -hmm. and not to your gender identity. Um, And, of course, it's sad that he had to, you know, say that he was abnormal. Yeah. It is sad to note that Alan could only receive his necessary surgery by stating a eugenics argument. So he basically was like, you have to perform a hysterectomy on me because I'm abnormal and this will keep me from reproducing. So, yeah. In the, you know. in the winter of 1917, Joseph Gilbert removed Alan's uterus and replaced it with testicular tissue. In the early 1900s, a hysterectomy was automatic grounds for sex reassignment surgery, which made Alan the first transgender man in America to undergo a sex change to use the terminology of the day, which is also odd when you think about a woman having to have a hysterectomy because she has cancer or something, and then she's automatically reassigned a male. Like, it shows the bias against women. and Oh, yeah. Yeah. There always has been. Yeah. Gilbert would be heralded as a hero, while Alan would have a long road to social acceptance. Following the groundbreaking procedure, Gilbert would publish a case study on the event titled Homosexuality and Its Treatment. He said of Alan and the surgery, From a sociological and psychological standpoint, Hart is a man. The surgery is the best that can be done. Let him who finds in himself a tendency to criticize to offer some constructive methods of dealing with the problem on hand. He will not want for difficulties. The patient and I have done our best with it. So before he did this, he did a lot of psychotherapy to try to fix his um, attraction to women. And when that was done, that's when he could convince Gilbert to perform the hysterectomy. Um, and that it is clear that Gilbert did the surgery in an attempt to cure Alan's homosexual tendencies, which says much about homophobia of the time. Mm-hmm. Promptly after the surgery, Alan changed his legal name to Alan Lucille Hart. He kept his birth name, no doubt, out of necessity for his medical career. He then moved back to San Francisco and briefly interned at a downtown hospital. During this time, he met a local school teacher named Inez Stark. The two eloped and then headed out to Gardner, Oregon, so Alan could set up his own medical practice. However, shortly after establishing his office, Alan was outed by a former classmate. He told the lo- local newspaper, which was hounding him, 
I have long suspected my condition, and now I know. I had not intended to make it known on account of the embarrassment which it might cause on the part of former associates. But since it is out, the best thing to do is to tell the facts as they are. I have never concealed anything. I came home to show my friends that I am ashamed of nothing. Good fucking job. However, the pressure was eventually too much. As Ellen wrote to Gilbert, the hounding process began. Hart felt compelled to resign from his post, and soon after, he and Inez left Oregon. The two settled in Montana for a few years before Ellen got a job as a staff physician at the Albuquerque Sanatorium. The couple moved again, but Inez was becoming resentful. Inez. You said it like three different ways. Inez. I said Inez. Inez. I've never seen the name Inez. No. Perhaps it was the transient life. Perhaps it was the pressures and insecurities wrought on by being married to a transgender man in the 1920s. Whatever the reason, in 1923, Inez left Alan and forbid him from ever speaking to her again. Okay, well, you know what, Inez, you get that. So you, fine. She's going to just leave Alan like that. Fine. You know what, though? If you leave someone... You don't have to speak to them ever again. <laughs> Two years later, she would officially file for divorce. No, I was saying we'll call her Inez since oh. she left Alan. You didn't get the joke. You know nope. what? Just my comedy it's is off. wasted on you. No, no it's, it's wasted right on you. Now. You need to wake up. That's what your problem is. I'm awake. Listen, and- <laughs> I've been working 50 hours a week for like three weeks. So I'm a little oh, tired. Pff, hello, that's my life. That's my choice. <laughs> Right. Brokenhearted and unsure of his next steps, Alan returned to his home of Oregon and enrolled in some writing classes. While there, he met the love of his life, Edna Ruddick. So even if you just had a really breakup, you can still find the real love of your life. That's right. I, I found the love of my life right after a really bad breakup. So, you know, you win-win go. for me. The two quickly fell in love, and when Alan's divorce was finalized in 1925, they promptly got married. Alan went back to school, again, such as the life of a doctor. So we, we said he only did four years of school, but he this guy was in school for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and earned a master's in radiology at the University of Pennsylvania. He then secured a position as director of radiology at Tacoma General Hospital in 1928. This is when Alan would truly begin his life's research into the disease of tuberculosis. TB, also known as the Great White Plague, was one of the biggest killers in human history. And while advancements in research has had been made to subdue the disease, in 1930, there was still no cure and TB was the biggest killer in America. Over 110,000 Americans died each year from the disease and millions more around the world. Just a few decades later, one in... Seven Americans were dying of the dreaded plague. Just a few decades earlier. Earlier, yeah, just a few decades earlier. Um, also, did you ever get a TB shot in yes. school? It was like four needles. Four needles. I just remember them like pushing, like something went under my arm. There's like a little bump. That's a test. Oh, that's the test. The oh. shot. You maybe you never got vaccinated. You might want to look into that. Oh shit! I have no idea what my real vaccination are. You actually are. <laughs> should look into that. That's a test because the shot. I remember uh-huh. it's literally like a square, and there's four needles, and it's like. Oh, I'm not doing that. Yeah. No. Uh, okay, go ahead and dive. <laughs> I'm sure I don't have most of my my vaccinations, and the cult had a lot of teachings about them. I did get some. I know that I Was got it, some. What did you? Okay, you probably yeah. got like basics. Like I'm sure I got the basics. I don't. I'm not even ever Can I test your blood for that? I don't know. Anyways, (laughs) Hart realized that the new technology of the x-ray machine could detect signs of TB. While there was no cure, early detection could lead to a quarantine and treatment that may allow the patient to heal on their own. 
and most importantly, would prevent the spread of the disease as TB is highly contagious. You know, there's actually, uh, at least uh, like five years ago, there was still a problem with TB in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, there's still parts of the world where it's still a problem. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was a it It's was shocking, a though, thing. that part of the United States. It's probably because they're an island and the United mm-hmm. States probably treats them like Puerto Rico, except for exactly. they make more money than Puerto Rico because everybody goes to Hawaii. Exactly. Anyways, throughout the 1930s and into the 40s, Alan and Edna would travel across the northern Midwest, planting a base in Idaho and branching out to surrounding areas. Hart would conduct lectures, coordinate training for new staff, and provide on-the-spot screenings for TB. By 1937, he was named Idaho's tuberculosis control officer. Because of the extreme stigma against TB, Allen had his clinic called chest clinics so that patients could discreetly get the help they needed. Yeah, it was almost like it was like an STD, but, you know. Yeah, it's not like you can, like, control that, but okay. Yeah, exactly. Hart was also a gifted writer and was especially praised for the way he could explain complex medical issues in simple terms, except for, of course, when he's writing the name of his manual, which was titled, These Mysterious Rays, a non-technical discussion of the uses of x-rays and radium chiefly in medicine, written in 1943. Have you ever noticed that all medical things have an insane name? Is it like a requirement because they don't want to get things mixed up? Like I what mean, is maybe, it? Maybe actually. It's like the more words that are in your title that goes towards your like overall word count. They're like to graduate, <laughs> you have to publish at least you have to publish enough articles to have 300 words in the titles. And they're like, <laughs> like oh, you might as well just get All right. Them now. I'm just going to write this thing twice, but one's going to be the title and the other's going to be the text. Pretty much. <laughs> so his manual is still the standard for tb practice and care today so that's like what like 80 years later yeah or like yeah 70 something by the time antibiotics were introduced at the end of world war ii alan's research had brought the national toll of tb deaths down to 150th so like he's hugely responsible Mm -hmm. for bringing down tb in in the u.s in 1948 he and edna would relocate permanently to west hartford connecticut i'm sorry i bet it's nicer it was nicer than in the 40s oh probably where Allen once again went back to school to obtain a second master's in public health from Yale University. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he then accepted a position as director of hospitalization and rehabilitation for the Connecticut State Commission of Tuberculosis. Edna also got a job as a professor at the University of Hartford. Another exciting development for Allen was the production of synthetic hormones. For the first time in his life, he could grow a beard and speak with a deeper voice. So after the end of World War II... Um, the research allowed for hormones, I mean, of course, was originally for uh, cisgender men, but right. transgender men could finally get access to them. Yep. And during these during times when Alan had struggled to find work due to his transition, he supplemented their income through writing. In fact, Alan Hart became a noted fictional author. His most famous book, Dr. Mallory, was published in 1935. It was a memoir-based fictional novel and had many similarities to Hart's life, played out through various characters in the book. Uh, most notably Sandy Farquhar, a gay man who goes into medicine but finds his orientation is always a problem. Alan wrote of Sandy in his novel, Sandy went into radiology because he thought it wouldn't matter so much in a laboratory what a man's personality was, but wherever he went, scandal followed him sooner or later. If he could have gone, if he could have gone in for himself, I think he might have succeeded in the face of all odds, for he was a grand man with sick people, but he had no capital and so had to work for other doctors or hospitals all his life. That ruined his chances, because eventually his story would get around, and then he'd be forced to leave. Resigning by request was the way he put it. 
And it's interesting because, I mean, this is the 30s, and I believe it was a, be- a New York Times bestseller, but if not, it was a very just a very well-known book. And uh, he, he has an openly gay character in his book, which again shows to how um, friendly America was towards homosexuals in the 1930s before we have the Lavender Scare rise up in the 40s. Yeah. So all in all, Hart would write four novels and many short stories, which were later compiled into the book, The Life and Career of Alberta Lucille, Dr. Alan L. Hart, with correct, collected early writings by Brian Booth. The various pseudonyms and perceptions given in the biography-like stories, along with the stigma of the 1980s queer history research, would create a controversy around Alan's legacy. In 1983, gay historian Jonathan Katz introduced Hart's story to the world. Only the infamous archivist classified Alan as a closeted lesbian. How did they get that? I feel like the amount of work he went through to do what he wanted to do was way more work than just like being a closeted lesbian. Right? Like why why are you went taking hormones like a, and growing a beard if you're a closeted lesbian? Surgery, changing your name to a male name. Like if you were a closeted lesbian, you just wouldn't have ever said anything. Like right? you would have just, just be like, a fucking closeted lesbian. <laughs> we got a lot of closeted lesbians through the years. Like I don't understand how Jonathan Katz even in nineteen eighty three like he laid like decades later was like, well, I, I don't think I should have classified that way. But that, that goes to show again, even in um, a binary, such a binary system, you're either male or you're female and you don't change. And even the, the transphobia within the community. I mean, this was mm-hmm. a gay historian. This isn't just some other person. This is a gay historian, yep. a well-known gay historian. So even the, in the 80s among queer communities, trans erasure was strong. Katz felt that he needed to bring visibility to butch lesbians, and in that attempt, he ignored Alan's obvious wishes. In fact, Edna, who survived Alan and died just before the book was published, was so offended by the historian's betrayal of her husband as a lesbian that she refused to do an interview with Katz. Some people say she was just old and she didn't want to talk to him, but I also think she was kind of like, fuck you, man. Absolutely. Right? So while it can certainly be difficult to place today's labels on individuals who did not have our same vocabulary, there are instances where it should be obvious. From the time Alan was a young child, he was insistent that he was a boy. His entire life was lived as a male, and he never wanted in that stance and he never wavered in that stance no matter what it cost him on july 1st 1962 heart passed away of heart failure a beloved member of the community alan was sorely missed he left holes in his memberships to the american thoracic society the aclu the association of advancement of science and his roles as vice president of the council for the unit for his unitarian church he and edna had been together for 37 years Upon his request, Alan's body was cremated and all letters and pictures destroyed, though a few professional photos did survive. Alan wanted to be remembered for the man he was and the legacy he left, and he feared his letters and pictures might be twisted through time. Twenty years after his death, Edna followed her beloved husband. Having no children to leave their estate, she donated all to the Medical Research Foundation of Oregon in memory of her husband. And we will end this with a quote from The Good Doctor. Each of us must take into the account the raw material which heredity has dealt us at birth and the opportunities we have had along the way, and then work out for ourselves a sensible evaluation of our personalities and accomplishments. 
And um, if you want a recommended resource, um, Redressing America's Frontier Pass by Peter Boag. B-O-A-G. Um, yeah, that's the best you're going to find in regards to Alan Hart other than what you have on the internet. And we do, of course, put all our links in there. But the sad thing about him is because there's so many conflicting reports that, like, first of all, someone had to piece together that Alan Hart was even the doctor of Gilbert, of Dr. Gilbert. Mm-hmm. He was the patient of Dr. Gilbert. Um, like, they, that was what Katz put together. Which even putting together that Alan Hart asked for a hysterectomy, Katz was still like, oh, I think he's a closeted lesbian. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so like there's just not a lot of good information. And it, and it didn't help that Alan Hart didn't want to leave any of his stuff behind to further study his Yeah, work. that sucks. But I can understand. Oh, yeah. I like, I understand why. It's his decision and that's fine. Absolutely. But it just we have this incredible person who donated so much in the and the to the field of medicine and specifically the reduction of TB and we can't we don't like we don't know much about the individual that did that you know mm-hmm. so but um, he's an incredible man and again redressing the frontier by Peter Boag B O A G if you want to check that out. And yeah, that's all we have time for today. Make sure to leave us a five-star review if you haven't already. Yes, that would be very, very helpful. And uh, follow us on social media. We are literally on every single platform at Your Queer Story, all one word. Mm -hmm. Um, Stay queer. Don't get a lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers. Our little succulent sapphists. And our uh, proud homocrats. That's right. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.